Hey, New Hope family, we are so glad you've joined us today, especially today. It's Mother's Day, and we love our mothers. We have so much good from our mothers. We have their prayers, and we have their hugs. We have their wisdom, and we have, don't forget, their awesome home-cooked food. I've got a few more things from my mom. I got my big brown eyes from my mother, and I also inherited her gift for gab. I guess that's where I got my art for telling a story. Be careful. If you ever get my mom and me in the same room, good luck trying to get a word in edgewise. So, in honor of my mom, I want to tell you guys a little story today. Kids, gather around. Uncle David's got a story for you. In a kingdom far, far away lived a beautiful girl named Esther. Esther would one day grow up to become the queen of her kingdom. But Esther didn't grow up in the palace. She grew up far away from the palace, and she had a very hard life. In fact, one day her mommy and daddy got very sick, and they died. Esther was very sad. But Esther had an older cousin, and he and his wife and their children, they came and they adopted Esther, and they raised her like she was their own child. The only problem is her cousin had a very funny name. His name was Mordecai. Aren't you glad your name isn't Mordecai? Yeah, me too. Well, one day, the king of this kingdom decided that he wanted a queen, a new queen. He already had a queen, but the old queen was kind of ornery, and she wouldn't listen to him. So he decided he wanted a new, young, flexible queen. And he figured while he's at it, he might as well get one who is really pretty too. So he started a competition throughout the whole land, kind of like The Bachelor. Well. Esther entered into the competition, and she made it through the first round. All the girls that made it through the first round got to go and live in the palace for a whole year to learn how to be more beautiful. Well, she started every day with a kale milkshake, and she had yoga out in the garden. She learned how to curl her eyelashes and straighten her hair, and they even taught her how to do a beauty regimen with only 24 steps. And after a year, she was so beautiful. Well, one by one, the girls had to march past the king. And after every girl, the king said, meh until he saw Esther. When he saw Esther, his throne turned all the way around and he said, that's the girl for me. Well, I'll bet you think at this point, I'm gonna say, and then Esther and the king lived happily ever after. But that's what you say in a fairy tale. And this isn't a fairy tale. This is a real story right out of the Bible. We're not finished yet. There was also a very mean man in the kingdom. His name was Haman, but they called him Hammy for short, just to make him mad. Well, Hammy hated Esther, and he hated Mordecai, and he hated everyone from their people, all of the people of God, because Hammy thought they were different, and he didn't like different, and he tried to kill them all. So he tricked the king into making a new law that would kill all of God's people. Well, Mordecai sent word to Esther and said, Esther, you've got to help us. You've got to talk to the king and change his mind. But Esther was afraid. She said, I just got here. I don't know if I can do that. I'm afraid. He could kick me out or he could throw me in jail or he could even take my life. But Mordecai said, 
Esther, listen, I think God put you in the palace for just this time so that you can save us and all of God's people. You can do it. Esther prayed and she thought about it. And then she got up her courage and she went into the king and she talked to him. And the king said, yes, I'll save you. So he saved Esther and Mordecai and all of God's people. And then he took Haman and he got rid of them. And then Esther and the king and Mordecai and his family and all of God's people lived happily ever after. The end. Okay, we're talking again about families. We're going to pull a different family out of the Bible each week and talk about the good and the bad and the ugly in their family so we can learn how to be a better family today. We're looking at little Esther, the little orphan girl that became queen, a little orphan girl that discovered her purpose and finding out how you and I, how we can discover our purpose as well. Here's the deal about God. He loves choosing the little Esters of the world. He loves choosing the least of these. He loves the underdog. Why? Because he knows that when he takes an Esther or, or a guy like me or maybe someone like you and he brings us to a place that no one would have ever expected us to achieve, guess who gets the glory? You or, or, or me or, or even Esther? By no means. Only God gets the glory because only God could pull something like that off. This story is incredible, but maybe your story or, or maybe my story is just as incredible. And we don't get the glory any more than Esther does. Only God gets the glory. Her life began very quickly, and before she knew it, she skyrocketed to the very pinnacle of her society. She was queen of the entire kingdom, and just at the moment when she thought she could finally just catch her breath and relax and enjoy her new life there, at that moment, God said, okay, listen, I want you to take everything you've been given, the blessings that I have heaped on you, the gifts and the talents that I've placed inside you. I want you to take all of this and lay it on the altar before me to discover your purpose. That wasn't easy. Everything she had, everything she'd been given, where she had arrived to, and God said, lay it on the altar to discover why you're here. You and I, we struggle with that same question. Why am I here? What am I doing on this earth? What is my purpose? And then you throw in a pandemic when we're locked down and hunkered down and we, we don't get to go to our job like we normally do. We don't have people needing us all day long. No one's respecting us. No one's calling us because we're important to them. Boy, we walk around the house in our pajamas all day long, and again, we begin asking the question of ourselves and to God, what am I doing here? God, what is my purpose? What if we're asking the wrong question? What if the question is not, what is my purpose, but rather, what is God's purpose? I believe that is a question. It's not about my purpose. It's about God's purpose for me. Let's look in the book of Esther, chapter 4, verse 14, where we're going to discover how Esther discovered her purpose. Uh, Esther, chapter 4, verse 14. Let me read it for us. This is Mordecai talking to Esther. He says, And who knows but that you have come to your royal position 
for just such a time as this. Boy, he was calling her out. He wanted to make sure that she didn't think even for a minute that she had gotten to that place, she had gotten to that position, that she had somehow worked her way, fought her way, attained her way to that position, but rather God had placed her there and not just for her own good, but for a purpose. Folks, this is what we have to discover. What is God's purpose for our lives rather than our own purpose? The problem is we're often thinking about our own purpose. And in doing that, we ask ourselves these three questions. Number one, what do I do? Well, of course, that would be our job and things that we have somehow attained by ourselves. Number two, we ask the questions, what do I have? Well, these would be the things that I have. It could be my house, it could be my car, it could be my boat. But it could also be personal things like my health or my good looks or my abilities. All of those things. And then thirdly, we ask the question, what do people say about me? And of course, that's our fame and our reputation. All three of those questions are wrong. All three of those questions are me-focused rather than God-focused. As long as we're focusing on ourselves, we will always come up short. We were not created for this world. You and I were created for heaven. We have a higher purpose. That word purpose in and of itself, it means to discover your true or original intent. Why were you created? What was your original intent? To follow your own goals, your own purposes, your own dreams? No, God created you because he had higher dreams. Even that word harmatia, that's that Greek word for sin in the Bible. It means to miss the mark. If you're shooting with a bow and an arrow, you're aiming for the bullseye. And whether you miss that bullseye by an inch or by a mile, you've committed a sin. You've missed the mark. It's the same with our purpose. Whether we're going for our own goals, our own purposes, and they may be high, they may be lofty, they may be good purposes. But if it is not God's purpose for our life, we have missed the mark. But what does that mean about Esther? Did she miss the mark where she was? Does that mean we can't have at all? We can't even have anything? Well, look at Esther. She had quite a bit. She became queen of the entire kingdom, and her story did end very well. It was a truly happily ever after story. So clearly we can. What's the difference? We need to tweak those questions. Instead of asking, what do I have? Rather, ask the question, for what do I have this gift, this ability, this car, this house, this dream? Not what I have, but for what do I have it? It's not about your purpose. It's about God's purpose. And the second lesson we can learn from the text is this. The waiting is preparation for the purpose. Number two, the waiting is preparation for the purpose. Take a look at Esther chapter 2, verse 12. Before a young woman's turn came to go into King Xerxes, she had to complete 12 months of beauty treatments prescribed by the women, six months with oil of myrrh and six months with perfumes and cosmetics. I don't know about you, but that sounds like a pretty cushy deal. 12 months of being pampered in the, in the palace of the king? I mean, who wouldn't want that? Well, I don't care what it looks like, waiting is still waiting, and none of us like to wait. And yet, waiting plays a major role in the plan of God. 
For Esther, this phase of this whole process was key. God knew that he wanted to use her for a very specific purpose. In order for him to use her for his purpose, she had to be in just the right position. In order for Esther to get into that just right position, God had to walk her through these steps of preparation. And that involved 12 months of beauty treatments. <laughs> well, that's great work if you can get it, but whatever that waiting period looks like for you and me, it might be pretty glamorous like it was for Esther, or it might be pretty non-glamorous like it is for the rest of us mere mortals. Whatever it looks like, it is so important to pass through that. Otherwise, we can't get in that position for God to use us for his purpose. Let me give you an example. When I was in college after my freshman year, I, along with a bunch of other kids, we signed up for a, a summer missions internship in Tennessee. Our job was to minister to the guys and the gals that worked as whitewater rafting guides. It was a great summer. I learned so much about nature and, and the beautiful countryside up there and, and especially about whitewater rafting and how important it is to work together with a team and to wait on God. When you entered into one of those boats and you were heading down one of those treacherous whitewater rafting rivers, I mean, every year two or three tourists would die on that river. It was no easy task. It was scary and it could be dangerous, even deadly. It was very important that all of us were fully engaged, rowing together, working together, focused on the goal. But after a while, when the rapids ceased and the river got wide and the water got deep, everything calmed down and we began just slowly drifting down the river. I mean, sure, we could have continued rowing with all of our strength and maybe we would have gotten the boat five minutes faster down the river, but why? We were in one of the most beautiful spots in the country and enjoying the beautiful nature. We would pop off the back and cool off because that's exactly why God gives us these times of waiting, of, of drifting and, and relaxing to, to replenish us and to, to mold us, prepare us, because there were more rapids coming before we were getting to the end of that rapid river. It is so important for us to do the same thing. God uses those times to mold us and to change us and to pre prepare us for what is coming. You know, a lot of people talk about us in this time of pandemic that we're all in the, in the same boat. We're all struggling through this together. We're all in this together. We're all in the same boat together. I don't know if that's necessarily true. I mean, some of us are, are in a big family with lots of kids and maybe even the grandkids have joined us to hunker down while others are kind of all by themselves and they haven't seen family or friends in weeks some of us are still working and have probably more work than ever before, and others of us have lost our jobs and struggling just to put food on the table and, and pay the bills. Some of us are in a big boat like a cruise ship having meals fed to us, and others of us are in a little dinghy rowing our hearts out just trying to keep our heads above water. We are not in the same boat. Yes, we're in the same pandemic, but it looks very different for some families as it does for others. And the same was true for Mordecai and Esther. When the news that Haman was coming to attack God's people and wipe them off the face of the earth, Mordecai was distraught. He was ridden with anxiety. He, he put on sackcloth and, and ashes, and he, he walked through the city wailing and calling out to God. At that same moment, in the same storm of life, there was Esther 
in the palace being attended to by all of her servants. It was the same storm. It was the same situation. It was the same hardship for both of them, but it looked very different for Esther as it did for Mordecai. Folks, the same is true for you and me. In every storm, in every pandemic, in every time of waiting on God's will and his purpose for our lives, we are going to wait differently. However you're waiting right now, I ask you to do this. Ask God, what does he want to teach me in this waiting time? What are the lessons that I need to learn? What does he still need to mold and change and affect in my life so that I'm ready to be positioned so that he can use me for his purpose and plan. And then a third lesson we can learn from this story is this. The difficult times are part of his purpose. Number three is this. The difficult times are part of God's purpose. Let me read out of the book of Esther, chapter 3, verses 8 and 9. Then Haman said to King Xerxes, there is a certain people dispersed among the peoples in all the provinces of your kingdom who keep themselves separate. Their customs are different from those of other people, and they do not obey the king's laws. It is not in the king's best interest to tolerate them. If it pleases the king, let a decree be issued to destroy them, and I will give 10,000 talents of silver to the king's administrators for the royal treasury. I mean, this guy was so evil, he was even willing to pay this exorbitant amount of money just for the privilege of destroying God's people. This is so wrong. This is so unfair. This is just because they were different, just because they kept themselves separate, just because they didn't look like everyone else or talk like everyone else or have the same skin color as everyone else. Haman was willing to pay for the privilege to wipe them off the face of the earth. That's not fair. So many of us struggle with that idea of justice that we take for granted here in the Western world. Even as a kid, I, I remember if I thought something was unfair, I would stomp around the house saying, it's not fair. And my grandma, we called her Nana, she would say, son, life's not fair. Well, maybe she was right. Life is not always fair. Bad things happen to good people. Bad things happen to God's people. And it's not fair. But because of this, it is in some ways warped our thinking in terms of following God's purpose for our lives. We've somehow come to understand that to follow God's purpose, to follow God's will for our life, means to have smooth sailing, easy peasy. If it's from God, it's going to be clear. If it's God's will, it's going to be easy. God's just going to move all of the pieces into place. And they'll point to stories like this with Esther. Well, sure, she had a rough start being an orphan. Uh, her parents died as she was very young. But then God sent Mordecai and his family to love on her and accept her. God gave her beauty so that she had favor with others. God let her win the first round and even win the second round and become queen and, and be positioned perfectly for God to use her for his purpose. And we say, see, see, if you're following God's purpose, all the pieces will fall together until they don't. 
Do you remember the story we talked about last week and the week before? The story where God was pulling his people, the family of God, out of Egypt and bringing them to the promised land? It was not quite so easy. In fact, I bet there were many times when they questioned, God, is this your purpose? From the very beginning as they wrestled with Pharaoh and God sent plague after plague after plague. And after each plague, I'm sure they said, finally, now Pharaoh will relent and it will be smooth sailing. God has made the way free. It will be obvious that this is a purpose of God for our lives. But all the way up to the Red Sea, when they thought they were finally free, here comes Pharaoh and his army barreling down upon them. But then God opens the Red Sea and they cross into freedom and finally they're free. And then begins 40 years in the desert. I am sure they asked the question over and over again, God, if this is your purpose, why is it so hard? It's supposed to be easier. It's supposed to be smooth sailing. It's supposed to be all the pieces falling into place and, and a straight path, but it's not. I remember very vividly how it was for Chanel and for me. We had just arrived in East Germany. We had just started this little baby church and we had done everything we knew how to do and God had blessed our lives up to that point immeasurably and we knew we were right in the center of God's will. And then little Christopher was born. And he was so tiny and he was so sick and he was so vulnerable and we called out to God, God, what are you doing? Why did this happen? This is your purpose that we're here. It's not supposed to be hard. Many of you have moved your family to a new city or even a new state for a new job and you get settled in and you buy a home and, and that job ends the company just goes out of business and you say god where were you in this we were so sure it was your will it was your purpose how did we get to this place it's supposed to be so much easier god why did that happen and others of you marry the man of your dreams and then within no time at all he becomes the monster of your nightmares and you say god where are you in this? I was so sure it was your purpose. It was supposed to be so much easier, so much better, so much clearer. All the pieces should fall into place when we're following your will and your purpose. But that's not always true. God allows things like that. He allows barriers. He allows pushback. He allows struggle. Why? Because he wants to engender in us a dependence upon him. If it runs too smoothly or too easily, we're able to just run out ahead of him and not look back and depend on him. God's greatest desire is that we would be fully dependent on him. And that happens when difficulties are on the path towards discovering God's purpose for our lives. And then there's a fourth lesson we can learn from this study. Serving God's purpose means serving others. Number four, serving God's purpose means serving others. That's exactly what God wants us to understand. Too often, our purpose, our goals, our dreams, our plans are inwardly focused, focused on ourselves and what we have cooked up in our own minds. God's purposes are never that way. They are always much bigger than ourselves. They're always focused outside of ourselves and focused on others, specifically on his family. Let's read the text. Look at chapter 7, verse 3. Then Queen Esther answered, if I have found favor with you, your majesty, and if it pleases you, 
Grant me my life, that is my petition, and spare my people, that is my request. Did you hear what she did? Everything God had given her, the position, the gifting, even the beauty, everything that she had, she was willing to lay it on the altar before God and before the king so that she could fulfill God's purpose for her life. The king could have kicked her out of the kingdom. The king could have thrown her in jail. The king could have even ended her life simply for making this request. And yet she was willing to lay it all on the table to fulfill God's purpose in her life. We today, we've gotten this crazy idea of the American dream that has somehow become our purpose. You know what I'm talking about, the perfect job and the perfect house with the white picket fence, two or three kids inside, a dog in the yard. And if you're from Florida, you got a boat out on the dock behind. And that is our goal. That is our dream. That is our purpose to accomplish that, to own that, to, to receive that. Folks, that's not all life is. I have a challenge for you. What if we decided to live for more? What if God wanted more for our lives? And if he gives us that too, wonderful. God bless you, but there's so much to give. I want us to lay it all on the table, not leave this world with one penny in our pocket or one ounce of energy left in our body. That we would lay out our time, our energy, our power, our money, everything invested in his purpose for our lives. There is no way we can be focused outwardly at the same time that we are focused inwardly. God's purpose must be focused outside of ourselves or it is not God's purpose. Folks, in honor of little Esther, that orphan girl that grew up to become the queen of the kingdom to fulfill God's purpose for her life, in honor of that little orphan, I want to give my last three minutes of our time together to demonstrate something that I believe would change your life. How do you put into practice what it's like to, to focus on God's purpose and serving others rather than serving yourself? I think this example is a perfect example, and I know God is calling some of our families to begin doing just this. Open your hearts, open your minds, and experience this opportunity that I'd like to present to you, my church family. God bless you. Thank you so much for listening this week to the New Hope Church podcast. If you live in and around Cape Coral, Florida, we would love to have you visit our church campus. If you would like some more information about us, we can be found at www.NewHopeCapeCoral.com.